again. If I seem a little off balance, it's just because I'm doing, um, today I'm going to give a sermon that I gave when I was in St. John's at the beginning of September. So I've had to change a few words and get the, the months and the things right. But um, as much as I hate talking about COVID and the coronavirus, there's a little bit of mention in this because we were doing a reboot series in St. John's with Pastor Rod, and so I piggybacked in on the very last week of it while he was on vacation. Will you please pray with me? Loving God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in your presence, worshiping together, learning together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it hardly seems possible that it's October. When the coronavirus became known to us, it was March. And many things have happened in the last six months. When the quarantine was imposed on us, Little did we know how much our lives would change in the days and weeks and months to follow. I never imagined that I would live in a pandemic. In March, I didn't want to fathom the breadth and the depth of change that was going to occur. Pre-pandemic, I was living a very hectic life. At work, I had volunteered to supervise a group of people due to the supervisor leaving to pursue a different career path. I thought that it would only be for a month or two, and I could certainly handle the dual role of coaching other teachers and supervising a few. November arrived, and now three supervisory positions were open, and now two months and no replacement in sight. Fast forward to January, I was still multitasking at two roles full-time in each one, getting paid for one. As you might imagine, I was exhausted, and I didn't feel much of a coach or a supervisor. And by the end of the January, I was very ill with a cough and a fever. February was not much better. I would feel okay for a short time, then I was miserable again. March arrived, and I was still ill. Being sick and exhausted was all new to me because I'm usually very healthy. The morning of Friday, March 13th, was the beginning of a new phase of my life as well as those of my coworkers. We were told, disinfect your classrooms, the toys, common areas. And then we learned that we would be going home and at that time not returning to work until April 6th. This was all due to the governor announcing that schools would be closing until that date. None of us were ready for the events that would next take place. Although I must admit, when the quarantine first began, I was relieved to have some time to decompress and rest. I needed to have that healthy body again. The weeks of March were unsettling yet restful for me. I was feeling so much better and ready to get back to normal life by April. And as the extensions of the quarantine continued, I became more agitated and irritated. What was I going to do? What was my purpose? And why was this happening? And most of all, will this ever end? 
I was feeling much like the psalmist in Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. I am sure that I was not the only person having these feelings. Being isolated from my family and friends and favorite activities was very difficult. Transitioning from a busy, busy, hectic life to one of solitude and isolation certainly caused me some anxiety. And at times I felt as if I was far away from God, sinking in the quicksand of my despair. It was crucial that I find my way back to God. It's not that I ever stopped believing, but I had begun to drift and question. God never gave up on me. God opened my heart through watching the services on YouTube, friends praying for me, and most of all, enjoying the beauty of nature around me. During quarantine, the options were to sit inside and feel sorry for myself or walk outside and enjoy the beauty around me. I was walking at least twice a day, and the more I walked, the more I noticed the magnificence of the scenery around me. The trees came out of hibernation, first buds, small leaves still wrapped tightly together, blossoms, full-sized, lush green leaves. Each day provided a, vi a variety of weather, cold and snow, remember the snow late in the spring, rain and sunshine. Birds were singing and making nests. Rabbits were frolicking in the yard. Ducks and ducklings were swimming in the water. And even a deer was seen in the marshy area right near our apartment. There were long days of sunshine as, as summer moved in and heat, as well as amazing sunrises and beautiful sunsets. God filled my heart with appreciation for all of his creation. In spite of COVID, God was still orchestrating nature. In a world turned upside down, God was still working in my life, creating and sustaining me. Psalm 96, verses 10 and 11, sums up what I was beginning to feel. Tell the nations, the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Psalm 19 spoke to my heart and to my head as I read it. The hymn, This is My Father's World, matches closely the theme of Psalm 19. It reveres the heavenly beauty of the earth, speaks of God's fairness in ruling, and points out all is not right with the world, yet God reigns and there is hope. C.S. Lewis wrote that Psalm 19 is the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. This psalm combines beautiful poetry with profound theology. Psalm 19 was written by King David around 1000 BC, and its theme is the self-revelation of God. The psalm has three distinct parts that could be titled, Knowing God Through His World, Knowing God Through His Word, Knowing God Through Living His Way. Let's look at Knowing God 
through his world. Verses 1 through 6. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone through the, throughout the earth and their world words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The Lord is the creator of all nature. What he has made tells us about him, the maker. A gorgeous sunset reveals his beauty. Intricate detail in the design of even a small leaf shows us his attention to detail. Mighty winds reveal his power, and gentle breezes on a warm day reveal his love. So what is it that specifically the heavens and the skies do? The glory of God is the beauty and excellence of his multiple and diverse accomplishments. The glory of God is an attempt to put into words what God is like in his magnificence, beauty, and purity. It refers to his infinite and overflowing goodness, fullness of all that is good. God's glory in his majesty and splendor. His glory is his beauty that inspires feelings of wonder and joy. It is the perfect harmony of all God's characteristics into one infinitely beautiful and personal being. We could go on and on because God has left his fingerprints on everything he has made. He, this helps us tremendously because he has left us tangible evidence of him that is still with us, that he still cares that he is still, still sustaining all of creation. We have the wonder of little children when we begin to notice his handiwork all around us. It is wonderful, and it builds our faith. And I must say, without realizing this in those early days of my anxiety and anxiousness, I don't know where I'd be today. Then we meet God, knowing, know God through his word. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. You see, God does reveal himself through his word, the law of the Lord. The word of God is perfect because it is directed toward the well-being of man. It gives us comfort and encouragement. The law was not given to keep us from having fun. It was given for our own good. Sometimes we don't act like we believe that. But God loves people, and what he has told us in his word 
is what is best for us. The testimony of the Lord, making wise the simple means it gives man a solid foundation and stability so that he is not easily led astray. And it talks about the precepts and the statutes of the Lord in 8a and the commandment of the Lord in 8b. The precepts and the commandments refer to the precision and authority with which God addresses us. They revive and refresh us, encourage us. And just like nothing is hidden from the sun in God's natural revelation, God's word enlightens us and reveals evil. The fear of the Lord, verse 9a. Ross says it's a synonym for law. Keel and Delich say it's the way, it is the revealed way in which God is to be feared. It is the religion of Yahweh. That is what, similar to what Ross says, and I tend to agree with Ross because all the other items mentioned are about the law of the Lord. David is listing the attributes of the word of God. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The judgments of the Lord from 9b, God is fair. We often think that life is not fair. There is much injustice in the world, but it is a comfort to know that God is fair and will work it out in the end. And the response from 10. In verse 10, we see that the scriptures are very valuable to David. Why is it if David spent six verses talking about the natural revelation and only two verses talking about special revelation that his response focuses on the special revelation? I think that it's because natural revelation is designed to bring you to recognize the need for special revelation. Special revelation is more important. It is where our focus should be. We should look at the rest, the rest of the world through the lens of scripture. David recognizes that God's word is good for him. It is more desirable than gold because gold does not satisfy. You always think you need a little more, but through scripture we can know God and have relationship with him, and that does satisfy. Listen to these descriptions of God's word. It's perfect. It's sure. It's right, pure, clean, enduring, forever, true, righteous altogether, more desirable than gold, sweeter than honey. Do you know anything else worthy of such a description? One wonderful thing is that since Jesus is the word made flesh, this is a description of him. This is just one example all throughout God's word. We can learn about the God who spoke or breathed or inspired these very words. And then we know God through living his way. Here are the verses 11 through 14. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As we know and experience God through his creation and his word, our hearts will desire to please him. The reason, verse 11, because the word warns him of evil. In verse 11, David says, by them, that's the precepts, the precepts and the commandments, is thy servant warned. Scripture warns us of our inherent evil, our sinfulness. Scripture warns us of our condemnation and destination without God. It tells us what is coming in the future, which is judgment. Scripture warns of, of specific temptations and sins. It tells us what not to do. And Scripture warns us of our obligations. It tells us what we should do. And by obeying the word, it brings us great reward. There is peace and pleasure in obedience. No guilty conscience. When your conscience is bothering you, there's no place to hide and you are miserable. But if you've done right, then you can be at peace no matter the circumstances. And what is our result? A prayer of the psalmist from 14, feeling convicted in his heart. It is that God reveals himself to us in our hearts. When we spend time gazing on the beauty of the Lord and his creation and in his word, we begin to realize how less than beautiful we are and cry out to God for his help. This prayer shows us that only he can cleanse our hearts and make them acceptable in his sight. David's response should be my response. When he takes in the beauty of creation and understands the message of the special revelation, he is humbled. I, too, am humbled. These three themes all speak about the Lord in perfect agreement. Let's look at a simple example. Close your eyes. Picture yourself at the seashore, looking across the beautiful water and up at the sky. Isn't it a majestic sight to see a gull fly across with its wings spread, gracefully gliding on the wind? That's one of my favorite sights. In God's word, in Genesis 1.20, the Lord actually says that he did that on purpose. Let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. He made the birds to fly across the sky for us to enjoy. They are for us. In our hearts, we marvel at the beauty and grace of our creator God who made these majestic creatures. Do you see it? His creation, his word, and our hearts are all in agreement as he reveals himself to us. Next time you wonder about something about God, remember these three ways. You may be surprised at how it helps you to discover the truth. God has provided so much for us. May we know God in his world, grow in his word, and live, grow in his word and live in his word. Cast your cares on Jesus, release your anxiety, and fill your heart with his love and truth. Amen. I left my cheat sheet down there. <laughs> Is, this, is it time for the benediction? <laughs> All right. Would you please stand for the benediction?
May you go forth today recognizing the beauty of nature around you, knowing that it is God in control. May you feel him in your heart. May you know him through his word, and may you live him in your life. Go forth in God. Amen.